Welcome back to the Heads in the Game podcast. Uh, we've got a very special episode to you because there is a new player in the Premier League, and that player is Saudi Arabia, who last week completed the purchase of Northern Club Newcastle United, a long and storied club who had fallen under a very tough period of incredibly bad ownership, ownership under sports direct tycoon Mike Ashley. And the immediate reaction to this deal is one of jubilation among Newcastle fans, but also some skepticism among people concerned both about Saudi Arabia's human rights record and the deal's long-standing implications for the global game. Uh, to talk this through with me, I've got Turner, as always. Turner, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Kind of uh, excited, but also nervous for the for what what you know what happened last week and the consequences. So. Excited to talk about it. And Turner, we're gonna break down this in a few parts. You know, first by focusing on like what the deal is, then moving into what its implications are for the domestic game in the United Kingdom, and then its broader implications for world football. But first, I just want to get your immediate reaction. Like, what did you think when you saw this news that this deal that had long been on, well, was briefly on, then long off, sort of in a very small amount of time it felt like the news just sort of broke that this deal had been completed what was your immediate reaction well i think it's interesting because i think the way we all uh kind of heard about it well wait when when was it like rejected initially uh was that a year ago or six months ago this was uh spring 2020 uh okay a minute ago yeah Um, yeah that that was there was like I remember hearing about it then and kind of not like definitely not taking it seriously at all uh, and kind of being somewhat relieved it didn't uh, go through, but also like um, just really not knowing the nuts and bolts around it and not really, it didn't even feel legitimate at that point. It kind of just felt like, uh, but I also didn't, you know, I didn't know the structure on the Premier League, how uh, these owners are accepted or denied, whether, um, you know, who has the role in, or like politically in uh, allowing such transactions to occur. Um, so I think I just, I felt like I saw it through meme pages, just, you know, put putting Mbappe in Newcastle jerseys for like a month. <laughs> and then it didn't happen and everyone kind of forgot about it. But then I remember, and I get, maybe I won't say this, I won't go into too much detail now, but I remember watching a podcast um, called uh, The Kickoff with um, True Jordy and these like British guys who talk about football. And, uh, True Jordy's the, a Newcastle fan, and they were talking about the big six. This is like, you know, it was during the Super League. Um, and that, uh, and the, basically they were just talking about money and football uh, and how the big six essentially also prevented um, Newcastle from uh, like, were, had, a, had a role to play in, in, in preventing uh, the Saudi public, what is it, Saudi public group, party, Saudi public investment fund, public, yeah, um, um, from purchasing, uh, from purchasing Newcastle, which I thought was really interesting because it's true. Like, I mean, I, we'll get in, but yeah. Um, so that was kind of like the first time I heard about it. Didn't really take it seriously, and you're right. It it felt like within two days, it was like Newcastle, they're like Saudi public investment fund is incredibly close to coming to an agreement, and I was like, holy, holy shit, I'm. It is, uh, it's happening. Um, what about you? What, what, is, what has been your, how did you first hear about it? How, how have you been processing this new development in the Premier League? Yeah, I think I was really just like on Twitter and it sort of 
you know, it was simultaneously, um, you know, tweeted about by, I think it was, you know, some, my, my AA tweeted, it was not, he didn't work for the athletic, but it, the guy who covers Newcastle for the athletics sort of retweeted someone that this was like, this deal's imminent, um, might be even, you know, concluded in the last two hours. And for me, you know, it took me back to, I looked up, it was, you know, July 2020 when this deal was briefly on and then off. Um, over, you know, a few concerns that will break down in a minute. But I think the initial was, uh, I totally understand this, the joy of Newcastle fans because, you know, in a game that is so clearly defined by money now, it makes sense that you would be excited when your team finally has some, especially yeah. in the deal. On the other hand, it's also like weird that we're talking about, you know, Mbappe and like Holland and stuff. And I know they're like memes, but like, you know, obviously the expectation is that Newcastle will spend a bunch of money when they're in 19th right now and like, you know, yeah. if like what happens if they get relegated and I guess like they pull a Wolves and, you know, put a bunch of money into a team in the championship and just like obliterate the competition. Um, and like, so like those two things. And then that's notwithstanding the huge human rights issues. You know, like I, after my freshman year of college, you know, did some like worked on this documentary about, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. And so it's, you know, when you hear that and, you know, you think about like the longstanding ways women have been, you know, in many ways, you know, imprisoned for resisting the Saudi government, you know, the Saudi government's continued backing of, you know, bombings in Yemen. It, it's tough to square those things and we'll get to yeah. it a little later. Um, but first thing, source Turner, um, you know, this deal is not the first time it's been brought up. Um, it was brought up in the summer of 2020, and it sort of sunk due to, you know, this very strange situation. Um, you know, are you familiar with, like, what happened with the original deal? Uh, I, I, I mean, I just know it, was, it wasn't allowed to go through, but by the specifics, uh, you can enlighten me. Yeah, so Saudi Arabia and the country of Qatar have been in this very strange diplomatic feud starting from really 2017 where Saudi Arabia and the Arab bloc sort of created a blockade of Qatar. Um, and which a forced in a, a very funny, of some very crazy solutions. So, you know, Qatar became like from, it had at that point they were importing like 95% of their food. They now export like dairy. So they imported thousands of, uh, German dairy cattle and like basically created like an artificial farm in the middle of the desert, which was like absurd to think about. But one of the things they did was that Saudi Arabia did was they basically allowed a pirate TV station called B out to pirate B in sports's feed. And B in sports is the premier league's largest international distributor. And so this obviously cut into their profits. And when Saudi Arabia goes to the Premier League to buy this team. BN goes, hold on, hold on. They've been allowing this to happen, which is just sort of this like crazy like thing where like you know international blockades and um, you know diplomatic fur are preventing the sale of a team. Um, but Saudi Arabia and Qatar have been at the negotiating table since then, and Saudi Arabia agreed to close B out. Uh, which a, I think is the hilarious name for a pirate radio station, <laughs> pirate like TV station, just like the name, but out. Um, and so that really created the political context for this deal to go through because, you know, Cutter no longer had any objections and does the Premier League did because 
while all this was going on, Saudi Arabia did pass the ownership test that the Premier League requires, that the Football League actually requires of all potential purchasers somehow. So the deal goes through. The deal is with um, a few British partners, chief among them, Amanda Stavely, who's, I think, sort of, my understanding is going to be the, um, who's the guy at Tottenham? I'm really betraying myself. Daniel Levy? Yeah, he's sort of the Daniel Levy of it all. Like, Daniel Levy is not... Director slash owner? Yeah, exactly. So, Daniel Levy is not the only money um, in Tottenham, but he's sort of like the face of it. So, I think that's going to be uh, my understanding is Stavley or someone in Stavley's um, employ. Um, and, you know, so that's like one aspect of it. You know, the sale of the club, um, you know, it's for, um, like my understanding was like, I think like 250 million, 300 million, um, which is, you know, a, uh, like a hundred million less than what current MLS teams are valued at, which I think shows you the value of a non-relegation system and just like a franchise system. Um, yeah. but you know, it does bring a new player to the team and Newcastle currently sit in 19th. Uh, Steve Bruce is the manager. Uh, Which, who knows how long that'll last. Who knows it's just how kind of fascinating how everything, like even sporting decisions, like again, even for like, like even to like, like, like the articles talking about Steve Bruce are like they don't even know if he'll hold the job until the winter, uh, you know, in, until the winter transfer market. Not that like Steve Bruce with with new funds is gonna, you know, light up the Premier League, but and also to be fair, it makes like these guys can't actually afford to get relegated now, um, and they can't really they can't really. I mean, of course they have the winter transfer market, but if it if it, if it gets bad. Um, We'll see. I mean, that Newcastle team is quite – at the moment, there's really no standouts. I mean, like, the only reason I think they – not the only reason, um, but, you know, without, like, Joe Willick and a couple other, like, star performers last season that they weren't really a special team at all. Yeah. Um, but they have some assets, and, uh, you know, I'm kind of interest, intrigued as to where they go. So they just feel like they have a lot of very – like, a lot of players who we all thought were good purchases. Like, I, no one thought Tom Wilson would be – I was kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd say he's been average, if not mediocre, for Newcastle. Yeah. He'll get like seven or eight goals a season, but that's not what you're, you mean? So, I mean, if, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, well, yeah, but, but let's uh, see. Yeah, I think we should take this opportunity to talk about, like, sort of the team. And, like, I think it also means that, as you sort of, uh, you know, talk, we're talking a little bit before about what the immediate things that uh, Saudi Arabia will do in the January transfer window, because obviously, you know, Mbappe is not going to be showing up at Tyneside, uh, you know, wearing the black and white um, to play Norwich in like a relegation six pointer. Like that's not what's going to happen. Um, but at the same time, like there will be improvement. So I think, you know, what you were sort of saying about assessing the current quality of the squad, you know, players like Joe Willock, who obviously had that, insane run last season um you know i think of guys like alan st maximin who's been like frankly at points like unbelievable this year um and and then like i totally agree with you there's like this random just like assortment of players like populating the rest of the team you know i think of guys like joe linton who 
uh, Mike was like Mike Ashley, like personally was like, we have to buy this guy, even though all the scouts were like, do not buy this guy. And, you know, it's been, I think they spent 40 million on him and he scored like maybe five league goals. Like maybe. Um, They've got guys like Miggy Almiron. Jeff Hendrick. Like Jeff random, Hendrick. Like a, a random Burnley player, Ryan Fraser from that Bournemouth team. Remember that was that 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 one off yeah. where they just ripped Bournemouth of Fraser and Wilson. I think it was the same <laughs> the same window. And I don't know. Like like I think of like, you know, Ryan Ryan Fraser now is like a B Tech um, I forget what his first name is. Who's the dude on West Ham? Something Bowen. What's his first name? Ryan. Also Ryan. Ryan, no, Jared, yeah. Jared. No, Jared. Jared Ryan, Ryan yeah. Bone went to high school with us. Jared Bone. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a, it's a very random assortment of players. Uh, you know, like, and then you have like old faces like John Joe Shelby, who used to give me nightmares. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's a, it's a crazy squad. I'm looking at like their defense is pretty, pretty average, if not all, like awful. I, I'd actually say, mediocre at best like jeremy lascelles i feel or jamal lascelles i feel like at times i like thought was maybe good but like he's 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 not uh good i remember they got jamal lewis from norwich who again was kind of like the other max Aarons. what were you gonna say well yeah quick thing about jamal lewis did you see what happened to him in the game like over the weekend i i do not follow his career no he got sent off so he plays for northern ireland he got sent off for time wasting in the 36th minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> he took like, he wow. got a yellow card in like the 15th minute, was taking a throw in, and they were playing in Switzerland. So like, they were actually like trying to time waste sort of, but <laughs> he got the ball and sort of did that throw in where like, you sort of like pump it for like 15 seconds. <laughs> Referee shows him a second yellow. <laughs> So wow. like, I, I don't think I, I like wasn't obviously I was not watching Northern Ireland Switzerland. Um, I I have a modicum of a social life, but um, they when I saw that I was like, "There's no way, there's no way." And then I watched the clip, and it I was like, "Oh, well, truly incredible." Um, but yeah, I totally agree. Weirdly, goalkeeper is like sort of like. Not a problem position for them, I think. Um, the rumors were yeah, both of those dudes are just kind of like, uh, like Dubravka. I, I like, I feel like I, I think of somewhat highly, but then I like don't really like know why. And same with Jack Darlow, like, I feel like he's young, but I'd probably still take a couple other English keepers ahead of him. And like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm I, like, it's all just kind of like a little underwhelming. Uh, except for I think St. Maximin and like who are the stars? I'd say St. Maximin. I think Calum Wilson can be can be a, a handful on his day, and other than that, Chaz, like I don't know who in that midfield. Like even as an Arsenal fan, like Joe Willick has not played well this season. So like I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Newcastle fans would say, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's Maximin Wilson and maybe one of the goalies. Um, that, that they, they stick up for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. So, like, if you are, you know, I'm going to put you in a crazy hypothetical here. You know, you are now, you know, you've got the funds in January. What type of players are you trying to bring in? Because really, you need people that will get you not relegated. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think 
it's interesting because this might tap into something we talk about a little bit later, but um, like what this will do for the world transfer market will be really interesting because again, um, initially the Hollands, the Mbappes, the, you know, all the, all the, the players you think of when you think of who will command the highest transfer value um, or the highest wages are actually not just the highest wages, more just the highest transfer values will not come to Newcastle in the next season or two, if not maybe the next five seasons, but more of that, there has to be a degree, like a level of play and a, a lot, like the level of quality that, um, you know, makes the top players want to come. So who will end up coming, I think will be people who are still really good, but maybe are like a little bit older or like uh, players who like are somewhat unwanted, but are, have demand high wage bills and are objectively objectively like good on their day. Uh, so I think like someone who I just thought about, like, what about like Koulibaly, right? Like someone who maybe two or three seasons ago, everyone thought of as one of the best defenders in the world, not necessarily dropped off. Remember city or like Napoli wanted like 80, 90 million for him city. We're like, no, and not that he, I don't think he would even come in. I think he'd be like 40 million, 50 million in today's market. Yeah. I, I, I How old is he? He might even be like 30. He might be pretty old. I I, I don't know. Cool about, like yeah, I think he's 30. Okay. So he, he's getting older, but more that like someone like that who will objectively help <laughs> that Newcastle defense, but isn't too fussed with maybe the, uh, the immediate, uh, you know, promise of champions league or europa league um and 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 so i think they're gonna go to, for players like, like coutinho maybe um uh I, yeah I don't, I don't know i maybe I, i'd have to truly think about it but yeah. that that's the 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 mold of player that would actually enjoy that project and truly is enjoying the fact that they're you know making a, a probably a pretty handsome amount of money yeah so like, you know, for me, partly, I, I, I mean, I totally agree with you just on like the sort of big picture. They, they're not going to go out and sh- shell out, you know, 100 million on a single player. I think I might even set my sights a little smaller because I think like, you know, for January where it's still like so much in flux, I mean, if Saudi Arabia do this right, and I'm thinking like, you know, trying to avoid some of the early mistakes of Man City, because I think while Man City get it very right later, you know, like the Rubinho sign in, like is yeah. like it stands out as sort of like getting it wrong because it, you can't just drop a star player into a squad of Jeff Hendricks. Like no offense to Jeff Hendricks, like he, but that's just not how it works. And so like I think like you know some part of me thinks that you know I guess the sort of perennial like depth players, and I don't mean depth players and like the bench guys, but like the guys who are solid additions to starting 11 aren't going to be the best player, you know, and I'm thinking of like players like Tarkowski from Burnley who always sort of get talked about as like ready to make the next step, but never do um, to, you know, a club like Newcastle. And I, like, those players exist across the world and like, you know, exist in a lot of other leagues. But I think that like, you know, bringing in, you know, a few 25 30 million players in January, you know, cause you know, it's also, it's the January transfer window. Like teams are less, you know, are fairly reluctant to sell a lot of times just because, you know, they know that unless the players going out of contract in the summer, 
they can get them um they can get maybe more for them in the summer and also like not have to change their team in the middle of a season um but i think like that would be sort of the way i envision um like their strategy going um but i think that also can have like sort of you know implications just like wage wise because like if they're definitely can pay more to tarkowski than like maybe anyone else can so um yeah i would just say that i think there's what i was gonna say about what's gonna be later i like what's gonna be really interesting is who's selling to newcastle because what this will do to the transfer market is it will totally rise the value of players that aren't necessarily worth like a 30 minute a 30 million pound player who's go, who newcastle interested in automatically will become a 50 million, 50 million pound player it's all going to just go up because they know newcastle can pay uh pay the values which i don't know i don't think it'll be that um direct and, and obvious immediately but i do think that will happen i think that's what's going to be what's such a why, why this is such a disaster is if player prices already weren't ridiculous now with these new contenders with players you know clubs trying to make the most amount of money and selling to clubs that maybe their player doesn't even really want to go to they're going to get as much money as they can uh, and they know the money can't be spent so i like i think what what is to be seen is the inflation where certain yeah just like it's like all right like you you have it uh give us 40 million dollars 40 million pounds for a player who you know uh, i don't like someone yeah like Lewis Dunk going for like 60 million. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. And it's like, and look, to be fair, with the English center back market, as Arsenal found out the hard way this summer, like it's not they're cheap, and it's not like they aren't worth that some money. But once, yeah, once or like, yeah, once, once like transactions like that happen, um, again, just it's just gonna push everyone else up in terms of because it's like, well, Newcastle can pay it, so it doesn't really matter um whether uh, Everton can't, or uh, you know, um, RP Leipzig can't afford another young, uh, youngster. It just, I think, I think it's really interesting. And I wonder with that strategy, do you think they're going to go for young talent, and they're going to like, like all the money's being spent on these like high future, like high risk, high high reward, or do you think they're going to take the Tarkovsky route, like permanently proven? Um, you know, because I like yeah. like Rubinho, like there's a lot of there's a lot of decisions being made, and I I don't know who this uh what's the dude's name the technical technical director the guy uh who you think the dude is gonna be the new the Daniel Levy um, yeah I, I, well I think it's like some people are saying like it's gonna be like Amanda Stavoy um but it could like let me I don't even know um <clears throat> but yeah I think like that's sort of still in uh flux well actually no people are talking about it like you know she's the yeah no she's the newcastle chief so she is the daniel levy um she met the manager and squad yesterday um so yeah i tell you i think the question about like young v old is an interesting one and i think that you know a i'm already tired of newcastle transfer rumors like don't get me wrong like i am very tired of reading like you know x y and z but i think like and I think they're all like sort of bullshit because anyone can write one of those right now because it's like, if, you know, the 
they've ownership has been in for like five days. But I think like, you know, hearing about trying to sign like Wesley Fafana, I think it's sort of like indicative of sort of like how I see their future trends for like younger players that aren't like, you know, they're not Fabio Silva's, no offense to Wolves fans, um, you know, players that are sort of unproven in the Premier League, but players that have shown it, but still have a lot of upside in the future. And I think that that's like a, you know, an interesting way. I think like for its implications on the global market, it's also sort of like a reverse Neymar situation, whereas Neymar was sort of like top down, you know, Neymar at the time, I mean, it's probably it's one of the best players in the world. You pay like as much as Newcastle costs basically uh, to get Neymar. Um, and then that means that if you're like 0.5 Neymars, then you're like, oh, I'm worth 150 million. You know, it's sort of like what happened with Barcelona and Messi's wage structure, where you're paying Messi so much money that Griezmann can say, you know, I'm 0.6 Messi's, I get 600K a week or whatever it is. And so this is sort of the opposite. Whereas if you're like, I pay Tarkowski 55 million, and then a guy is like, okay, Tarkowski has like two England caps, I have 50. That means like, I'm now like worth as much as Neymar. So I think like, it's one of those interesting market forces. And I also think that at the moment we're in, you know, coming out of a pandemic, depending on how many people in the Premier League decide to get the vaccine, but coming out of a pandemic, the market is, you know, recovering because I think it was depressed during the pandemic, like to a pretty significant degree, like not big clubs didn't spend money. Um, it's going to be interesting how this sort of reshapes that and like whether there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Newcastle to buy players because a lot of big clubs had a lot of players to sell and like players that could do a part on, um, you know, like what if Newcastle, Newcastle have the money to buy Loftus-Cheek when no one else did over the summer and like Loftus-Cheek would play for Newcastle. So, you know, that's just my thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you think about just, to move it along somewhat, what do you think about what this means to the Premier League? What does this mean as a possible new contender? Um, I mean, well, again, I think I think this whoever this technical director slash head of transfers is going to have a crazy job, uh, one that uh, really will set the future for Newcastle for, for decades if, if they get it right. But, um, you know, all the talk is that with this financial backing and if they play their cards right, just like City did, um, it's a, just another, it's another, a, a new team that, uh, you know, if, if already we weren't thinking about teams like Leicester, Everton, other, you know, kind of top seven, top 10 teams reaching that top six, um, that glorified top six. Do you think, uh, what, yeah, what does this mean for the Premier League? Is Do we have a new top six contender, um, potentially? And, do you think that's why these top six clubs were so adamant on uh, preventing this deal from going through? Yeah. I think like, you know, it's interesting to see the clubs that have opposition to it. So I think it's Tottenham, Arsenal, United, and Liverpool all like sort of were like, like what the hell is this? Like, how is this happening? Um, and I think like their primary thing is, you know, like, no matter what they say it is, is that this is sort of, you know, it's more competition. Like it's going to be harder for them to buy players. It's going to be harder for them to win games. If there's another player in town. 
I think it all depends on like what set. And I know this is sort of like, you know, obviously this is the answer, but it all sort of depends on like what Newcastle, like what Saudi Arabia decide to do. Like, are you going to create a man city? Are you going to invest, you know, because like, wow, Man City invested so much money in players. I mean, wow, like Abu Dhabi invested so much. Um, no, sorry, Dubai invested so much money in. No, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi invested so much money in Man City's players and playing staff and managers. They also invested like tens of millions of dollars in the training facilities. They invested tens of millions in like the academy in, you know, in the community too. So like. You know, they've really like approached it like holistically and said, like, here's our plan to win the Premier League and do this. And you know, obviously they still won the Champions League, but like they've come close and they've been the dominant team in the Premier League for the last decade. Um, and they've sort of, you know, totally reshaped that club. And so Amanda Stavley gives an interview where she's like, you know, we want to win the Premier League in like five years. And it's like, okay, like that's going to be really hard because a every other team has a shit ton of money. Like, you know, Chelsea aren't poor. Liverpool aren't poor. City aren't poor. Man United aren't poor. Tottenham and Arsenal exist. Um, but, you know, it all depends. Cause if, you know, if they go out and they, they spend like, a, you know, if they buy Koulibaly and they get bringing Keller Navas and they, you know, sign like, you know, they like swoop in and get Tujimani from Monaco, like whatever it may be you know, there are signings they can make, but they also could not make those signings and be happy to be a 10th place finisher in the Premier League, which is lucrative. I don't think they're going to be happy to do that. So I think what the implications are for the Premier League is that this is going to make competition harder. Newcastle are going to attempt to become a force, that they're going to spend money and try to follow a strategy that will place them within the top six. And I think that what we've seen over the past few years where that top six is very in flux, you know, like our Arsenal in it is Leicester in it. Um, where's Tottenham in it? Um, could Everton be in it? I think all of those yeah. questions are going to continue to be magnified by Newcastle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think, yeah, I think it's definitely super reactionary to think that this is going to change like next season. Um, but I, I think there's potential for, you know, a couple of good signings uh, and you're right, like a more holistic investment in a club um, for it to go right. I, I think it's also interesting, the criticism, like, you know, like you said, that, that Newcastle fans don't not deserve this. That was a crazy double negative, but just more that like, it's, this could happen to any club necessarily. Uh, and specifically talking about um, the Mike Ashley uh, deal kind of your Mike Ashley being one of the worst owners in the Premier League. Um, I think they're, yeah, I think a, a lot of it is just getting rid of him. Um, I think it's interesting how, especially as an Arsenal fan, a lot of the criticism of this deal um, goes without any self awareness as to what, whether we would be celebrating or not if Conky sold to these guys potentially. Uh, as I think all of us would be pretty psyched. I don't think there's a single Arsenal fan would have been disgusted i mean of course objectively it is a little bit i mean talking about um you know a couple months ago when we were talking about super league and money has destroyed uh football um i think this just shows that it's gonna it, you know money and football are gonna just continue to 
uh, be, uh, you know, entire, just like entirely reliant on each other. Uh, and that will never change. So there's definitely a sad side to that. Um, and uh, I think it is sad that, um, that that is a blueprint, right? That, that this is, if, if new, like, look, we're not, I'm not hoping for Newcastle's downfall. Um, I, I, like, I don't, I, I think it would be nice as like a counterpoint to, like, I, 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 the only reason I wish for Newcastle this to kind of fail and Newcastle to not, you know, ever really breach a top eight or to just really kind of, you know, get all the transfers wrong is because City have a, basically outlined a way that you can win. I mean, they've won the Champions League, but you can become a top three club in the world with massive investment. Um, so any billionaire with what? I mean, really, I think you could do the whole thing with if you wait, they you could buy probably a team for half a billion dollars in the Premier League. And uh, if you put in $10 billion, which to some people with what our world is making at the moment, it's not much. That is it. I mean, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, which, like, just more that, like, the, like, I hope it fails because I, I don't, the, the continuation of just a, a blueprint for, for billionaires to just kind of have side projects and, and kind of ruin a game that is, was at one point not really based on financials is, it's just kind of sad. It's just like, it's a little bit it's just depressing. I don't know. That's kind of my take on it is um, it's just going to continue to happen as long as there's financial success slash even just like mon- like success in like competitions. I actually don't even know if these guys are necessarily looking for profits. Yeah. You know, I personally, I sort of, I hope it fails from a different angle. And I don't wish ill on the fan, as you said, I don't wish ill on the fans of Newcastle. Like, I understand why they hated Mike Ashley. Like, I mean, he was horrible. Um, and I understand why like 90 plus percent of them approve of this deal. But I think like, look, I know as a Chelsea fan, this is like, you know, a bad position to be in because Roman Abramovich is no saint. You know, like he, you know, buddy, buddy with Putin on the rise up. He's an oligarch. He's the single biggest funder of settlements in the West Bank. Um, like, He's not a great guy. Like, Man City's owners are just, like, oil money people. Like, you know, I'm sure that there's, like, I mean, there's very unsavory labor conditions in, you know, Abu Dhabi. But, like, on the scale, like, they're not that bad. Yeah. You know, PSG's owners, you know, Qatar has, like, basically slave labor. They take people's passports when they come to the country and don't let them leave. Um, Saudi Arabia is sort of a different beast. <laughs> like, this is like a, you know... Especially, you know, MBS is the chair of the Sovereign Investment Fund, and it is a, um, like, you know, they are financing this brutal war in Yemen where, like, Saudi bombs are being dropped on hospitals. They are repressing women and, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus people within their own country. They are assassinating journalists like Jamal Khashoggi in the consulate in Istanbul, it is like a very repressive regime. And I think that like this has caused a lot of people to talk about sports washing, which I think has gotten a lot of play in the last few years, sort of using sports to sort of purify your public image. And I think if people, I I don't know if people's first image of Saudi Arabia is ever going to be like Newcastle, but um, yeah, I just think it's, you know, very problematic in that regard. If like there was like some Newcastle, like the, you know, 
LGBTQ plus fan group of Newcastle was like, well, we acknowledge that these have happened in the past, but maybe owning Newcastle will change their minds. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, like MBS yeah. was like, oh yeah, the Tune Army is <laughs> so tolerant. Let me rewrite Saudi Arabia's legal code. Ah, I think it's pretty just like horrified at that. Yeah. But again, like, like some of those moral things, honestly, like as soon as like Qatar <laughs> became a World Cup like des- destination, it was just kind of like, you, like, I don't know. I just feel like that, that, that like the, and not that it should not continuously be acknowledged for the corruption and, and, you know, violence and uh, brutality that is involved in all these programs. But I just feel like, yeah, I, yeah, it's just not surprising to me anymore. Um, so I'm just kind of like hoping, like I, I totally agree that that is another reason to wish failure on uh, those owners. But uh, yeah, I just want I don't want this to keep happening. I think that's what's worrisome. Is this, this is now what like all these new owners are just going to be the same thing. And not, again, I'm acting as if like Stan Kroenke is not a billionaire. He's not. Like you I mean like it, it? It's all relative. But um, yeah, it'll be. Yeah, I think like the relative point is interesting because it's like, you know, at some point we're like, ah, you know, all of these people are rich and like, you know, all of them are engaging in capitalism. But I do think that there is sort of like a moral level that we could like a moral line that we can draw. Like, I don't like Stan Kroenke. I think, you know, Stan Kroenke spends money on stupid things and like hides his money in places he shouldn't. And I'm sure underpays people. Um like Stan Kroenke isn't buying bombs, like at least to my knowledge. And so it's like, it's this very interesting conundrum where I think a lot of people, and I think it's, look, football fans don't want to have to be the moral police. Like no one's asking them to. No one's asking, you know, Newcastle fans to make an impassioned plea to the UN Security Council about how the war in Yemen must stop. Like that's obviously not their job. And I just think that, like, at some point we have to recognize that, like, like, how far are we willing to go to have our team win games? And I think for Newcastle fans, you know, so much frustration has made them, you know, not care that much about who owns them. And I really understand it and I really empathize with them because I, you know, even though I, I am obviously like a fan from the United States of a team in England, but like if my hometown team had sucked for a long time and had an owner who clearly disrespected the fan base and just didn't really care, I would want anyone to come in and pump mil- like millions of dollars. But like, it's just like, it's, it's ugly. It is ugly. It is like a little sickening. It is, and it's just like, I think that like it is very easy to accuse people like myself included of hypocrisy on this regard because like I don't every time I watch a Chelsea game I'm not like what about the people being evicted in the West Bank to build settlement like illegal settlements that are funded by Roman Abramovich but like I just think I just think it's a conversation worth having yeah yeah totally totally it's uh yeah um, it's a a tough one um yeah it just feels like another addition to the ugly side of football that uh you know we both continue to learn about and ignore simultaneously right um and not purposely not purposely but just kind of pass by um 
All right. Uh, do you want to chat about anything else? Maybe um, we, t- we briefly touched upon just like world transfer mark, world tr- potential world transfer market inflation. Um, but I think that there's not much more to that. Other than yeah, no, I, I think that's probably it for our. I think it's probably it for our Newcastle episode. Um, and then we'll be back very shortly to talk about um, Premier League stuff and try to. I think you know. We're ramping up production of this, so we'll get we'll get back going to the the regular the regular schedule once life calms down. I think for everyone involved. Um, but Turner, thank you so much. Thank you, Jazz. Talk soon.